Security Ledger podcast reach an audience of thousands of information technology and information security professionals. If that's an audience that you'd like to reach, think about becoming a Security Ledger podcast sponsor. To find out more about sponsoring our podcast, point your web browser to securityledger.com slash sales. This is the Security Ledger Podcast, and I'm Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this week's episode of the podcast number 167, in these times of rising international trade tensions, the U.S. Congress took a firm stand against chief rival China using the most recent National Defense Authorization Act to ban the use or procurement of telecommunications and video surveillance equipment by a wide range of vendors from mainland China, including Huawei, ZTE, Hikvision, and Dahua. That decision followed years of warnings from security professionals and others about security vulnerabilities, backdoor accounts, and suspicious traffic patterns associated with cameras manufactured in the People's Republic of China. But two stories this week suggest that simply swearing off Chinese hardware is easier said than done. Witness the scene in Pittsburgh, where Allegheny County District Attorney Stephen Zappala bought cameras from the Chinese manufacturer Dahua and deployed them throughout the greater Pittsburgh area. There's a Dahua cameras pointed at the Software Engineering Institute. They do millions of dollars in, in contact with Pentagon. Well, My cameras are in public ways. No, but they're, once they're you put a... in a public way, there's no Fourth Amendment right. Then Zapala abruptly ended the interview. I'm done. Thanks. Or consider the case that was unsealed in New York last week involving principals from Aventura Technologies, a New York firm that made tens of millions of dollars selling surveillance cameras, body cameras, turnstiles, and other security gear to the U.S. military, the U.S. Department of Energy, and the U.S. Treasury, among other agencies. The cameras, all labeled Made in America, were actually manufactured in the People's Republic of China. To understand the threat that software and hardware from China poses to organizations here in the U.S., we invited Terry Dunlap of the firm ReFirm back into the Security Ledger Studios. In this conversation, Terry and I talk about the news from Pennsylvania and New York last week, the ways in which vulnerable and insecure hardware and software poses a risk to security-conscious organizations, and what companies can do to address the rapidly expanding supply chain risk with in their IT environments. Terry Dunlap, co-founder of Refirm Lab. Refirm Labs, we specialize in analyzing firmware security. So for those of you that don't know what firmware is, you've heard of hardware and you've heard of software. Firmware is basically the, a stripped down operating system that operates IoT devices, your Wi-Fi router at home. There's probably a lot of firmware in your car. Uh, your Apple Watch, your Fitbit, security cameras, all that kind of stuff. So we look at the firmware uh, and we look for security flaws, whether it's sloppy coding practices, back doors that may have been accidentally left in by developers or back doors that were purposely put in by nation state actors. So we, we look for a lot of things that your traditional security tools out there today cannot and would not find looking at 
uh, any of these devices from the outside. I guess the best analogy is we basically perform like an x-ray or a CAT scan of the firmware and find out what the deep problems are on the inside. Very good. And we're talking to you this week because firmware and software supply chain issues have been very much in the news. And I noted on LinkedIn, you had shared an article around the city of Pittsburgh, which is being called out for deploying uh, surveillance cameras from a Chinese manufacturer that is known to have had issues with software quality in the past, I guess is one way to put it. Yeah, um, that, that, that's mildly putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about that uh, incident. So yeah, when, when we launched uh, the company uh, back in 2017, we were asked by a uh, Fortune 500 company to look at the security of the surveillance cameras they have, not only at their corporate headquarters, but at their properties all around the globe. And so we we looked at the firmware and strictly from the firmware point of view. And when we performed our scan or our analysis, we discovered a backdoor. And this was not your typical engineer forgot to remove backdoor prior to production. This was very intentional based on our analysis and we notified the customer that this particular firmware had a remote backdoor that would allow somebody on the outside of their network to connect to the camera and then gain access to the company's internal network. So obviously armed with that information, they blocked any outgoing traffic from those cameras and they, they ended up replacing them, took them a lot of money and a number of months to do so. So fast forward to where we are today. Now that company uh, is Dahua and Dahua happens to be China's second largest surveillance camera manufacturer. The number one manufacturer is Hikvision. So fast forward to today and the city of Pittsburgh, the ABC station up there did a investigative report about these security cameras because Hikvision, Dahua, and others have been officially banned by the U.S. government. And that actually took place as part of the uh, 2019 Defense Authorization Act. It was signed into law that these Chinese-made surveillance cameras are not to be used in U.S. government facilities, military bases, embassies, you name it. And if they are, you know, administrators of those facilities need to submit a plan to Congress as to how they're going to replace them. So that's at the federal level. So here we are at, in the city of Pittsburgh and uh, the district attorney there, uh, I, I don't know when he approved this, but he approved and uh, moved forward with the installation of these Dahua cameras all over the city of Pittsburgh this is uh, Allegheny County District Attorney Steve Zappala, I think is, is, is the job. Correct. So he, he, he approved the purchase and installations of these cameras. And they're so reasonable suddenly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are giving these away online. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think at the time he made this decision, he was aware of the security implications. Yeah. Uh, but the investigative report that the station ran uh, basically, you know, juxtaposition. Though playing devil's advocate, Terry, it's one Google search away. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm not trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Anyway, sorry. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But, but the bottom line is, I mean, we, you know, we basically explained that this has been a problem for a long time. And a couple of the cameras are actually pointing at facilities that conduct work on behalf of the Department of Defense, like the Software Engineering Institute up at Carnegie Mellon, 
and the RAND Corporation. Now, you know, these cameras are outside the building pointing at these buildings, and they're probably not even connected to those organizations' networks. But China has some very outstanding facial recognition technology, and it is possible that they could be using these cameras to identify people that they could oh, yeah. use assets. SEI, RAND? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No question. So, no question. But yet when you see the video and the uh, investigative reporter confronts the DA with this information, I mean, it's just shocking how he basically puts his hand up and says, I'm done here and walks away from the camera yeah. like he doesn't care. Yeah. It's great. Well, and he also says, oh, you know, if you want to have a camera on, I can't remember the name of the street, but, you know, so the Chinese control this camera. What's a big deal? You know, clearly not, hasn't read the memo on China APT attacks and, and how broad a net they're going to cast. And sure, I mean, being able to surveil uh, who's coming and going in Rand Corp in Pittsburgh or uh, SEI, Carnegie Mellon, there's data there. There's information there they could use, uh, identify targets for further, you know, espionage, uh, human type exactly. uh, activities, of course. And that's what I tried to bring up. And and, and it wasn't clear whether or not the uh, investigative reporter explained it in those terms to the DA. But I mean, you saw the reaction. Yeah, not happy. I guess the question is, because these cameras have been banned at the federal level, um, but then here you have at the state level, you know, subsequent to that that message from the federal government, uh, an acquisition being made using this techno- this hardware. I guess, how does that happen? It sounds like at the very least, there's a breakdown in communication here between the federal government and state governments around these types of acquisitions. Now, now you got to remember that the law that was passed simply bans the U.S. government from buying these cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't now, extend to the states, no. Right. So, you know, unless you're at the state level and you're on top of this, I really don't think you would know. And I also have concern for unsuspecting government customers who might fall into this trap. So hypothetically, I, I don't know this to be the case, but let's assume, you know, there's somebody out there that runs the Kabul embassy where these cameras It's been notated in other articles that the Kabul embassy has these cameras. So let's say I'm in charge of that. And I start soliciting offers from U.S. manufacturers and suppliers of cameras and tell them, I'm putting out a bid to have all these Chinese-made cameras replaced. What can you offer me? And then I start getting responses from people like Stanley Black & Decker. They actually have a uh, surveillance camera. Mm -hmm called Stanley 3X Logic or something like that, or Bosch or Honeywell or somebody like that. You have to be careful because Honeywell and Bosch and Toshiba and Stanley, they basically use the exact same cameras. They just put their American name on it. Their their bezel on it. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you perfectly anticipated in your brilliance, perfectly anticipated (laughs) my next question, which is what is a, a company to do Given that, I mean, gosh, is there any camera maker in the United States, surveillance, IP camera or otherwise, you know, uh, we can talk SLR cameras if you want to, that doesn't source their product, at least in part, if not entirely, from southern China? Well, you know, the unfortunate thing is we're we're not in the surveillance camera business, so we're not out there looking for the, the, the non-suppliers of the Chinese-made ones. So I really don't know 
I never had a need to go look for who are, you know, actual U.S. manufacturers. Now, I, I do know this for yes. a fact. Tyco International has, uh, I think, three different lines of surveillance cameras, two of which are outsourced to China. One is, I believe, produced here in the U.S. or a non-Chinese-based facility. I'm sure there are others. I'm just unaware of them. I've never had to go out and... Okay, but here's the question. Does the Tyco, even the Tyco camera that's manufactured in the U.S., where are the components from? That's true. I mean, that's... Right? You know, it, it maybe those particular components are from, you know, Hike Vision. I mean, we don't know unless you tear the thing apart. Yeah. That dovetails nicely with the other story that I wanted to get your thoughts on. And <laughs> uh, the U.S. government, uh, obviously interested in sourcing their cameras uh, locally here in the United States uh, for security reasons, and turned to a company um, in New York, Aventura Technologies, LLC, which made a wide range of cameras and manufactured them right in New York. It was perfect. It was a perfect relationship. Government signed 60 contracts with Aventura, totaling uh, $88 million just from since 2010. Alas, uh, we learned this week uh, from the Eastern District of New York, uh, which unsealed an indictment uh, naming the company's owners in a huge scheme uh, to defraud the government because lo and behold, uh, all the cameras it was selling to the Department of Energy, the U.S. military, and so on were actually manufactured in China and then dressed up to look like they were made in the United States. Thoughts on that? <laughs> that you know i didn't read the actual indictment itself you so should. all my information is from you know what what the ap and and the journal and others have reported you know i read this from top to bottom it's like okay well maybe there was a mistake maybe they really didn't know what they were doing but the more i started to read into this it's like they the owners purposely worked with the with with the manufacturers to mask and hide the fact that these were Chinese parts. And in one of the stories, I believe Hike Vision was the supplier of these components for these body cams and other surveillance equipment yeah. that they were making. Now not not only was that act egregious, I also learned that as part of setting, if anybody, your listeners are, are government contractors, they know that, you know, any special advantage you can get, service disabled, veteran owned, Native mm -hmm. American, you name it, will give you some type of advantage against other competitors bidding for that work. One of the things I discovered here was that he listed his wife as the chief executive officer of the company. And she played absolutely no role in the company at all. So from the very beginning, this company was set up and the intent was to, to game the system. And we know that she wasn't the, the CEO because actually she didn't quit her day job. Like she worked in a local, I think it was an accountant's office or something, which I kind of admire because seemingly this company was doing pretty well, but she was she was working too. But it made it all the less plausible that she was actually running this other, you know, very uh, active surveillance gear company while also working as like an administrative assistant. No, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, it was rotten from the ground up. 
There's no doubt about it. Well, and then they were they were laundering the proceeds as well through through uh, yeah, attorneys exactly. and shell so, shell accounts I mean, this, and buying houses for their family and stuff like that. It was it, there were many layers of corruption here. But, but to get to your point, how is somebody like I think it was the uh, the Navy or the Air Force that ended up acquiring, you know, uh, some of these cameras? It was the Navy and the Air Force and the Army and the DOE and the Treasury. <laughs> As a procurement agent, how am I supposed to know whether or not this company is selling me American-made goods or Chinese goods? I mean, this was blatant blatant fraud here. Now, you know, thankfully, there are more and more companies like mine that are actually starting up and coming online, focusing on the firmware and the supply chain. Because, you know, if you're a procurement agent and you have any doubt that maybe some of this this gear was Chinese made or may have Chinese components, a third party assessment of the firmware currently would be the only way you could ascertain whether or not uh, this was American made gear, Chinese made gear, if there are any backdoors or security flaws that, that might lead to remote exploitation and gaining access to the network. Uh, Unfortunately, your traditional security tools don't can't, can't determine that right now. So there, it's more of an invasive process than just a passive or an active process. So, you know, obviously network monitoring, you know, it might, if the thing's phoning home to China, you know, that might, that might get spotted. But yeah, no, they're not looking at the, at the firmware level uh, for vulnerabilities or, or even for provenance. And in fact, in this Aventura uh, LLC, Aventura Technologies case uh, from the Eastern District of New York, there's a great snippet in the complaint with the CEO of the company emailing one of their suppliers saying, hey, you know, uh, the name of your company shows up in the message from the client to the server, you know, in the header. And, you know, you got to take that out. You know, we can't have anybody, you know, knowing that this is, you know, from from your company. And, and you know, could you please take that message out of the, you know, the standard kind of message header that your client sends back to the oh, server. And, oh, yes, we'll, we'll take care of that, you know. And, wow. Yeah. And, and also complaining about the, the you know, a, a Chinese firm's name on, on one of the, um, you know, logic boards inside the cameras as well. So they were, they were, it wasn't just slapping a bezel on it. They were, they were clearly keen to cover up any, any um, evidence of the provenance of the, of the cameras themselves, um, you know, for obvious reasons. But I guess, you know, one thing that it raises is that the, the federal government, for all its tough talk on cutting out these Chinese suppliers, is clearly not doing a lot of due diligence on its own because, of course, all they needed to do is say to Aventura, hey, uh, would you give us a tour of this amazing facility in New York where you're building your body cams and your turnstiles and your surveillance cameras? Uh, you know, we'd love to see your operation. <laughs> and, you know, even if they did uh, grant that permission, I think it would still take a a relatively tech-savvy individual who probably understands PCBs and circuit boards and chips to actually go in and, and and hope that they could identify that, well, that's not American made, that's coming in from overseas. So even if they granted that, I'm not sure if they would they would be able to pick up on uh, on the fraud that was 
Well, I mean, the company would then have to create the subterfuge, this this phony baloney factory where they're making all this stuff, and that that in and of itself would be would be quite yeah, a production and, and probably hard to keep secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you do analysis on a lot of different types of firmware. If you were to, if there were like a pie chart of you know problems or security issues, what percentage of them are just kind of poor quality code, exploitable vulnerabilities? you know, hard-coded passwords, and what part, what percentage are suspicious backdoors, you know, you know, real sort of red flag nation-state stuff? The vast majority, I'd probably peg it at about 90% plus is sloppy mm-hmm. coding practices. Uh, for anybody that's been around uh, the security world and having to, to deal with like Windows 95 era type of security problems. Mm. That's what we're looking at in these IoT devices. It came down to just people not coding securely. That is the vast majority. Uh, A lot of your consumer devices that go into the consumer homes are the ones that typically have uh, administrative hard-coded usernames and passwords. They're not malicious, uh, but there are websites out there whose sole purpose is to publicly make available a list of all these devices and their usernames and passwords that are built in by default. Now, how many of them actually have nation state actors in the back, putting in back doors maliciously? Uh, It's a very small percentage. In fact, what we have determined is these back doors are not put into these devices in mass as part of a mass production line. Our experience has been that these seem to become uh, prevalent when a particular order is placed and the nation state is able to become aware of that. And then they take special action to make sure they yeah. get a special delivery yeah. when the product is. is I mean, set. I know that Bloomberg story came out, I guess it was a year ago, a little bit more than that. So everybody was focused on spy chips. But my my guess, yeah, the, the oh, super yeah, micro. The micro my, my guess story, is, yeah. and listening to you, it's usually not that subtle. No, no. Um, yeah, like, like, like I said, most of the stuff that's out there, you know, it, it's just crap in terms of the code that's in there. But if I run an intelligence agency for a particular country and I know that we manufacture a particular device extraordinarily cheap and there's a target that we want to have eyes on and I know that they've placed an order with one of my domestic companies, I may take special steps to make sure that there's certain capabilities and and benefits and features built in that get delivered to them. So my question for you would be, I mean, you know, obviously the U.S. government basically has limitless resources, so it can, you know, it can address these problems, you know, in a, in a big way if it chooses to. But obviously most companies out there aren't in this position, you know, the city of Pittsburgh or or otherwise. And some of this stuff, when you start talking about supply chain, it's like it's like the precious bodily fluids conversation, you know, it's like, oh my God, you know, it's they're in the water, in the air. You can kind of get to a freak out place where where you don't trust anything. Yeah. You and I just being honest, the United States is not going to become a, a major manufacturer of, of, uh, of low cost cameras uh, anytime in, in the near future, no. right? So not at all. 
And so most of these devices, drones and cameras and everything else are going to be sourced from Asia and somewhere, China or some other country. How can organizations get comfortable, even if there's always doubt, but get comfortable that um, they're in a good position with these, that the gear that they bought is reliable, that isn't spying on them or sending data out and so on? The easiest thing to do today would be to continue to deploy your current network security tool set and methodologies, uh, the, you know, doing the external pen testing scans uh, of the network, checking the firewall logs. But you know, if you really want to get down into the firmware, you still need to have a third party come in and do an assessment. Now, you know, if you're a small, medium-sized company, I, I don't know if small, medium-sized companies can afford, you know, Silans or FireEye or Mandiant to come mm. in and do something like that. But the bottom line is you have to have your traditional third-party assessment done, but then you have to ask them. And, and, and this is this is the new frontier. You have to ask them, do you, do you look at the firmware as well as part of your security assessment? Mm-hmm. Some of them do. Uh, some of them actually, you know, w- will physically take the firmware and go through this laborious manual process to examine it for security flaws and vulnerabilities. It can be done. People just have to be knowledgeable and aware to actually ask for it. You know, I I used to work at the NSA doing offensive stuff uh, and, and focusing on firmware. So to me, this as an attack vector is nothing new. But for you know, CISOs and CTOs and CEOs out there. Th- this is new. Yeah, firmware, what's that, right? I mean. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So just being aware that this is a problem, the next time you engage either your internal security team or an external company you bring in to evaluate your security, ask about a firmware analysis as part of that, that comprehensive uh, security test that you're having done. Terry Dunlop, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us again on the Security Ledger podcast. You're very welcome. Anytime. Terry Dunlap is the co-founder of Reform Labs. <laughs>